I love a good story, especially if it is a God story. Hi, I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. And I want to introduce you to a woman who has experienced the wonder of God in Haiti, Houston, Jerusalem, and places in between. I first met Kennedy Boland, then Kennedy Ulrich, in Haiti when we were both responding to the devastating earthquake in 2010. Through partnering together then and since, a sisterhood has developed that grows out of serving God together and prayer. And I tell you, it has been fun to watch what God has done in and through her ever since. Canada and her husband and her beautiful family currently live in Jerusalem. And even though there's a seven-hour time difference between us, whenever we talk about what God's doing, it seems like we're in the same room. I know you are going to love her God story just as much as I do. So welcome, Canada. Thank you very much. I'm honored to be with you. Before we dive into your story, I want to ask you, uh, what is the first place you take families who come visit you or friends and and family who come visit you in that beautiful city of Jerusalem? The first thing I would do is take them on a walk through our neighborhood. One of my favorite places, we have an incredible view of the old city. It's filled with people that I love and friends and friends who have become like family. And then maybe we would walk to the old city, which is less than half a mile from my house. And what's that like? What's the old city like? Can you just feel Jesus? Is it really like biblical times? I wouldn't say it's exactly like biblical times, but I can look out my living room window and I can see Mount Zion. I can see the Mount of Olives. I can see the Hinnom Valley and I can read the scripture and talk about it with my children, about what happened there and how it shaped our lives and all of history. And it's a very incredible opportunity to sit with the word and look out my window and retrace history. I've been able to go to Israel twice, and, and what you say is exactly true. And when you're there, scripture comes to life in a way that it doesn't when you're thousands of miles away. But you, know, you didn't always live in Jerusalem. Uh, we'll get there. But where and how does your story start? I was raised in Oklahoma, a small town in Oklahoma. And I went to college in Oklahoma. I actually went to Oral Roberts University. I had a full-ride soccer scholarship there. Soccer. It was not the um, university that I would have chosen, but Mm -hmm. it was what God chose for me. And looking back, I can see that it was absolutely his perfect planning and his kindness over my life. So when you say it wasn't where you wanted to go, I mean, how did you get there then? When they told me that I could have a full ride to play soccer there, my parents said, you have no other choice. This is where you're going. (laughs) Yeah, as a parent, I would say, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Right. So after college, my dad got sick. At the time, I was walking closely with the Lord. and But after he got sick, I was very angry. And I was like, all right, Lord, if this is what I get, then... I don't need this. And I had the opportunity to move to Wyoming. And I couldn't stand seeing my strong, safe dad sick and weak and even fall. And so all of these things together, the invitation to move to Wyoming and my dad's illness and the heartache that it caused Mm -hmm. and the questions in my own heart of who am I if my strong, safe dad is not here anymore? Who am I? And so I moved to Wyoming, totally walked away from the Lord. And so here you are, you grew up, you know, in a Christian family, you saw God working in your life. You went to ORU where there are 
teach and train people to walk with the Lord, and then you walked away. So how was life in Wyoming? So I thought I was having a great time, (laughs) and it was definitely exciting, and I learned to snowboard, and I did a lot of things I had never done before. And I would still go to church, and all the while, the Lord's like, I see you, and I love you. And he Mm -hmm. was just so present and so kind and so just, that's all he said was, I see you, and I love you. And so finally, at the end of my time in Wyoming, I was accepted to the University of Kansas for grad school. Reluctantly, I knew the Lord just made it so clear that I was supposed to go back to grad school. And so I did, reluctantly. But in that time, I repented and I let go of the things that I had begun doing. So I went to grad school and I actually was able to spend half of the week at KU doing school. And the other half of the week, I was able to go home to be with my family. I spent time with my dad and with my mom and reconciled relationship and just had the opportunity to say everything that needed to be said and to spend time loving on my family and loving on my dad April of that year, my dad passed away. But even in the process of him dying, the Lord's faithfulness over and over. I mean, seriously. So from a young age, I would say that I knew that God loved me. And all through my life, that is a theme over and over, regardless of how close I was walking with him or how well I knew him or what I was doing over and over he made it so clear that he loved me. Yeah, I can relate to that. I came to know the Lord when I was six and was, you know, raised in a godly family. And, you know, I got to high school and I got to college and I wanted to try partying. And, you know, I wanted to hang out with friends who were doing things that didn't really line up with the word God. And um, all through that, I knew that God was protecting me. I mean, I would do stupid things and I could just feel the hand of God keeping me from going over the edge and Amen. reminding me of his love. So I can totally relate to her, you know, where you were at that point. God is so faithful. He knows our heart. You know, he knows we, we really do want to follow him, but in our foolishness, sometimes we try the things of the world. That's exactly right. I, Amen. <laughs> When I was uh, the summer before my junior year, I applied to work at the camp Canacuck. It's in Missouri. Mm -hmm. It's a Christian sports camp. Somehow I got hired. It totally was a miracle for how (laughs) my life was going at the moment. But I had always wanted to be a camper and we couldn't afford it. So when the opportunity came to, to work there for the summer, I jumped and I got hired. This is actually the place where I encountered the Holy Spirit in the most real way ever. I had known of Jesus. I knew that I was loved by God. I was raised in a Christian home, but it wasn't until this one night working at camp where all of a sudden it was my turn to do the the devotional at night. Mm -hmm. And I was like nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, because I wasn't living like a really awesome testimony prior to coming to camp. But here I was, it's my night for the devotional. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want to say? (laughs) And he said so clearly, he said, tell them that I love them. Mm. So I ran back to my cabin and I was looking for a verse that said exactly that. 
because I wanted to do it the way my co-counselor did each night. You know, she read the verse, she talked about it and then prayed. So I was looking for a verse in the Bible that said so deeply what he had just told me, how much he loves them. But Mm. I couldn't find one that said it to the depths of what I was feeling. And so they all sat down and I said, listen, I said, I asked the Lord what he wanted to talk about tonight. And I said, he wants you to know that he loves you. I said, you're 12 years old now. You're going to do amazing things in your life. You're going to mess up really big in your life, but it won't change how he loves you. It will never, nothing could ever change the way he loves you. And so as I sat there and talked to those kids, he was actually ministering to my heart. Like, this is where I encountered the love of God in such a personal and real way. I laid down on my bed and for the first time, I knew that the Holy Spirit was real. For the first Mm. time, I knew that no matter what I had done or what I would do, that I was loved. And so, you know, kids are giving their lives to the Lord and rededicating their hearts. And I'm laying on the bed having this personal encounter with the God who handcrafted me and loves me most. That is really where I I feel like was a key turning point in my life and my um, commitment to him. And even after that, you know, it it wasn't seamless. It wasn't without mistake. But my Mm -hmm. heart was gripped with a knowledge of God that impacted me forever. When I was uh, in high school and college, I would have those moments with God that I knew God was speaking right to me. I mean, I would be outside in a, in a, you know, group of people who were praying and I was just kind of there because I wanted to hang out with them. And, and God would speak to me, you know, as I looked up in the stars at how amazing and huge the universe is, but he saw me, little me standing in the midst of a crowd right. And, you know, those kind of things, I had a few of those encounters along the way too. And, but like you, I kind of stumbled, you know, I I kept stumbling along the way until after college, I was actually in in graduate school and um, at at Regent University at a Christian school. And I was there because I had really recommitted my life to the Lord. But I went to visit a a sorority sister friend of mine in um, Washington, D.C. She took me around to see the sights in Washington, D.C. And then at the end of the night, we ended up, you know, at a bar with all of her friends. And I used to go to bars when I was in college. But as I was sitting there in that bar, I felt like I had an out-of-body experience. It was like I was there, but I was seeing myself there. And I was just seeing the darkness around me. And I was just mm-hmm. seeing how I didn't fit. So I got up and left and took a taxi back to her house and just went to bed and she stumbled in sometime in the middle of the night. We said goodbye in the morning and I knew that life was over for me. It was like, I don't fit there anymore, Lord. I'm all in for you. It took a few stumbles along the way to get there. Totally. I have a similar story. The Lord's faithfulness to the whispers of my heart, things I never even prayed about or told anyone the whispers of my heart that I needed from the Lord. Mm -hmm. He was so faithful over and over. I have seen the Lord. I told him after my dad died, I said, you know what you say in your word that you're my father. Well, I need you Mm -hmm. to show up, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I think he loves that, that we can like, I was like, this is what you say. So I need you to do it. And I've seen him show up in practical ways. I was driving actually to that same camp another summer. Uh-huh. 
And I really, I felt like the Lord said, pull over and check your tire. So I pulled over on the side of the highway. And sure enough, right there where I had stopped, in the top of the back passenger side wheel, this big nail was sticking out. And I was like, "Wow, hey, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like really have come. Saved be- you from an accident. Right. But because of that place of need, I've mm-hmm. come to know the Lord as my father. Of course, I miss my dad, but having a knowledge of God that you can stand in and rest in and even fight with is it's a gift. And I'm so yeah, thankful. He really wants that relationship with us. I mean, he is our father. He is our, our all in all, of course. And we honor him for that. But he wants that vibrant relationship where we can talk and we can lay out our hearts and we can share our joys. And he wants all of that with us. Hmm. You know, if I look at your bio, it's easy to see that kind of since that time, you've really been about serving the Lord. You worked at God TV. You were with Crisis Response International. You're the visionary and author of Prep Preparedness Peace. Now you're serving with one mission on the field in Israel. Was that the path you expected your life to take? How has God <laughs> surprised you along the way? I mean, he's been your father. How, how has he surprised you? If somebody would have told me how adventurous and how incredible and how full of life life with God is, it could have saved me a lot of trouble and a a lot of heartache and a number of regrets. But of course, I had to figure it out myself. But honestly, you know, he knows how he made us and what makes us come alive and what sets us on fire and what our passions are. And when we line up with his plans and purposes for our life, there is nothing better. And I'm trying to tell my kids now, I'm like, You guys, seriously, life with God is the most incredible adventure. Sure, full of challenges, not exactly easy, costly, but the most satisfying and life-giving, worth it thing you will ever do in your life. Every day. It it can be that every day. Those are similar lessons I've learned along the way. I mean, I come to a point where I know that God knows me better than I know myself. And so when he asked me to do something or to go somewhere, he knows me. He knows how I, how he equipped me. He knows the desires and the, the abilities he's put in my life. And that's exactly right. When we follow his plan, we discover who we are, who we've been right. created to be. That's when we come alive. So tell us what some of these surprising things along the way. Something that's so surprising, but always been there, it seems, is this passion and calling to disaster preparedness and response. Even from the time of my dad's death and understanding how my need for a father opened the door for me to encounter God in a way I hadn't ever before. And the value of that and the richness of that, this is significant in my life, but also I happened to be standing on the shore in Thailand in 2004 when there was a tsunami. Seriously, standing on the shore, watching the wave come in, even taking pictures. What? I'm like, I should run. Run. What did you I do? Run. <laughs> we were a group of, with a group of five people. And so the wave actually came in. And the moment we turn to run, our private taxi pulls up. We hop in. We drive away. We're like, Phuket Airport, please. And everyone's in turmoil because literally we had seen people die, people in boats in the ocean, crashed by the wave. Like we had seen people die. It was a dramatic scene. 
And right away, the Lord dropped in my heart, Isaiah 43 and Isaiah 55. And so I opened up my Bible and I read them right then. So Isaiah 43 says, but now this is what the Lord says, who who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, do not be afraid, for I am with you. So we're driving away from this whole scene. And this is what the Lord says. Couldn't have been better timing. You really knew what that meant at that point. It wasn't just an abstract verse to you. I mean, it was real. It was a promise. And it's become like this life promise, this life scripture over me. And now we find ourselves in Israel, which was nowhere on the radar. And it's all about Aliyah, which is what our primary focus here is helping raise support and prayer from Christians around the world for Aliyah and Klita, helping Jewish people return to Israel and to settle here. So it's just amazing how even the scripture continues to unfold with our, my life and our, you know, God knows, he knows the plans he has for us. And so that's been such an encouragement, but also Isaiah 55, again, that's God revealing his heart and who he is in crisis. So you'd have to read through the whole thing, but there's a specific phrase, verses eight and nine. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I just feel like so many times in crisis, the first thing people ask is, how could God do this? Or where is God? I don't know that we can ever understand sometimes. Oftentimes not. But I really do believe that any crisis is an invitation to encounter him. And he says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. We live in a fallen world and a lot of things happen that we can't explain. But the thing that never changes is that God is good and God is faithful. Right. And he invites us into his presence, like you said. And He's there's an invitation constantly for us to come to him for all that we need. You survived the tsunami there. I met you a few years later in Haiti. What took you from Thailand? You got this, you know, God birthed in you a vision for crisis response. And what was that process from Thailand to Haiti? So I was actually teaching in Kansas City, Missouri public schools at the time. We were just in Thailand for a holiday. Back in Kansas City, had some really dear friends, Sean and Laura Malone, who founded and built Crisis Response International. But Laura was one of my best friends over and over. She's like, Canada, this is so for you. This is absolutely what you're made for. I began working with Sean and Laura and not only working. I mean, they were my family. It was our work. It was our ministry and our church. It was life. We did life together. And so for four Mm -hmm. years, was director of training for Crisis Response International And then the earthquake in Haiti happened. A team of four of us deployed to Haiti and 
That's where I met my husband, actually. I met you. I met Doug. I met so many incredible people. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, God had a surprise for you in Haiti, didn't he? He sure did. And at this point, I was 35. Had you kind of given up hope of getting married? So I'll back up just a little bit. One of the questions that you asked for this podcast was, what's one of the greatest mistakes of your life? In Wyoming, had this amazing, it was like my dream job, climbing, backpacking, mountaineering. Another really incredible ministry I would totally recommend is called Solid Rock Outdoor Ministry. It's all about encountering God and seeing his beauty and cultivating relationship with him and others, all while backpacking, climbing, and mountaineering in these incredible places in America. So I thought I might settle down there because it was like my dream job. But meanwhile, I met this guy. And right away, the Lord was like, caution, caution. But you know, it's a small town and a small ministry. And I really liked doing something outside of the bubble and outside of the box. And he was just really easy to be with. And he had two little girls that I eventually came to really care about. Eventually, he asked me to marry him. So I'm 30 years old. I really want to be a wife and a mom. And I told the Lord, I said, you know, God, I know this isn't your best for me, but I am 30 years old and I really want to be a wife and a mom. So unless you do something, I'm going to marry him. Kind of one of those ultimatums. I've done that to the Lord before. He's faithful, though. This is the fruit (laughs) of six months of ignoring his warning, though. You know, when you like don't listen, your heart gets harder and harder and harder. I didn't see it all so clearly then. But he asked me to marry him, and I said yes. And then you know what happened? Everything around me crumbled. The place where I was working called me in and was had lists, pages long of offenses, things I had done wrong. Some of them were true, and many of them were not true. I mean, just oh, everything, wow. everything, yeah. relationships, everything crumbled. So finally, hmm. after a few months of trying to make it work, I tucked my tail between my legs. I loaded everything I could in my little Subaru, and I drove back to Kansas City. And as I drove, the Lord said, Canada, he said, I want what I have for you more than you want it for yourself. Did you think, well, God, this is punishment? Or was it exciting for you to hear that message? I mean, felt like he had his finger in my face, like like a mother would, like your dad. (laughs) And, you know, it was just like... (laughs) I want, like wagging that finger, I want what I have for you more than you want it for yourself. I felt comforted. I felt loved. I felt disciplined. I mean, it was, it it turned so bad. And so this is how I made it back to Kansas City. All the while, while I was in Wyoming, Laura and Sean Malone, who are Mm -hmm. dear friends and mentors and family to me, She's calling me. She's like, what are you doing in Wyoming? She's like, you're supposed to be here. Come and do this with us. Come. She's like, it's so dry there. Just come. Now I was on my way and I landed in Kansas City. I spent months, weeks in the house of prayer, just like the Lord softening my heart and lots of repentance and lots of one-on-ones and prayer. And this is how I got involved with um, Sean and Laura and crisis response. And it was such a gift. So then Haiti happened. I mean, that was a devastating earthquake and many people responded. Somebody cares responded. You responded. And so that's where I first met you. Almost exactly five years later from the incident we just talked about. 
I met my husband in Haiti. He actually had deployed with another ministry from Texas, and he arrived to the facility where we were working in Port-au-Prince. And I introduced them to how the place worked and where they would be sleeping. And he looked to his friend and said, hey, I'm sort of digging that chick. And the guy's (laughs) like, we've been here 10 minutes. (laughs) So for Justin, it was love at first sight. For me, it was nowhere on my radar. It was crisis. We had things to do. I had actually just gotten out of another wrong relationship. So I wasn't interested. Mm -hmm. I was not good at waiting for God's best. I was very familiar with the wrong thing. When the right thing came along in Haiti, we decided we could get to know each other after or before we got married. And we chose after. We met in January and we got married in June. Yeah. And you were in Haiti for a while. I mean, it wasn't like you were at home getting to know one another in the same town. We had long talks on the roof after really long days. Yeah, We explored a foreign country together in uh, vehicles with teams of people along with us, with translators and drivers and mayors of cities. It was incredible. And because you had had relationships that didn't really work out, this your relationship with Justin was totally, totally different. I mean, you couldn't plan or even really protect or hide who you were. And when you're in the middle of a situation like that, it's you, you're there. There's very few showers. Everyone is tired. Yes, it's all the real stuff. And it was amazing. And honestly, you know, serving in crisis, it is. It's like the great and the terrible. It's really Mm -hmm. hard. And it's so incredible to see the body come together and work together, to see God do miracles, to see him meet people in their place of need. I mean, this is Isaiah 55. This is who he is. He loves to reveal himself in every place of need. This is a huge reason why Justin and I are committed to preparedness and response is because when we as the body are prepared, when we are ready, then we can serve other people when they really need it. And when there's a need, we can be the hands and feet and we can bring peace and we can bring hope and we can bring love into everything that we do. And so we've seen the beauty of and the power and the miracles that God does in that context. And it's a privilege to participate with him. Now you and Justin are in Haiti? Actually, Justin came to Kansas City like two weeks before we got married. He was in Haiti literally until we got married. I came home in April to plan the wedding. And then he came six weeks later and then we got married. (laughs) And we're so thankful. It's been a grand adventure, but yes, I tried to talk God into letting Justin join me in Kansas City and join Cry. We needed a graphic designer. I had it all worked out. He would be the perfect addition to this team and family and ministry that we had going, but God had different plans. He asked me to lay it all down, and so I moved to Waco which is where Justin was living, part of a community there. He did some training and some traveling with this ministry there in Texas. And then we had our first child, whose name is Jeshua. Jeshua. And he was born in Waco, Texas. But a few days after he was born, the Lord said, go to Nehemiah chapter 3. And so I looked it up, and right there in the middle of chapter 3 is the name Jeshua. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never even noticed it before. So that was pretty cool. And then a month after he was born, we moved to Houston, Texas to work with 
Somebody cares. We loved that time when you were with us. Oh, you guys were so gracious. Um, so you were you were with us for a couple years in Houston. I realized pr- pretty quickly as a mom that it wasn't going to work to work full time and build this global ministry we had dreamed of. Mm. It was a really humbling time to learn what it meant to be a mom and to know yeah. that God's heart is for his children and what that requires and the cost that it is to love the one before us. And Mm -hmm. it was a big learning curve and you guys are most gracious and I'm so thankful. And, you know, the Lord really used that to get us to Houston and we got plugged in with a house of prayer there in Houston. And then God birthed a new vision in your heart. Right. So even after having been in Kansas City and related with the house of prayer for over 10 years, I never had any vision of Israel. Never any revelation, no understanding. But this first time, so we were at this new church, and the first time they ever spoke on Israel, I was just completely undone. I was in the nursing mother's room with my child, and the church service is over, and I, I couldn't even move, like just weeping, really feeling the presence of the Lord and His heart. So my husband actually comes looking for him for me in this nursing mother's room and I find you there. <laughs> I was like, are you getting this? And he's like, no, this was my beginning. The beginning of my journey with Israel. Eventually along the way, the Lord put Israel on Justin's heart as well. And he had you guys move there. Yes. With three kids. So one little incredible part of the story is when we were pregnant with our second, we were certain she was going to be a boy. But the very day that we found out she was a girl, Sean and Laura Malone called and they were like, let's talk names. And I said, great. (laughs) What's the girl version of Zachary? Because we're having a girl. And right away, Sean said, Azaria. He even sent me the phonetic spelling of it and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so beautiful. So we chose that night that her name would be Azara. We took out the I, her name would be Azara. And again, Mm -hmm. a few days later, the Lord said, go to Nehemiah chapter three. And so a few names down from the family of Jeshua is the family of Azariah. And if I were to sum up the whole book of Nehemiah, it's how they were called by family to fight and to build the wall of Jerusalem. And by this point, the Lord had gotten both Justin and I's attention. All of our community in Houston, pastors had connected with the Jewish agency. And there was this big swell and this interest and this open door of our believing community in Houston and the Jewish agency in Israel. And so the Lord said, he said, I'm not just calling you. I've called your children by name to the city and it's essential to their destiny that they're there. For me as a mom, this was like, check it off the list. We're going hands down. So anyways, we have a third child 21 months after that. And then we moved here at the beginning of 2016. And we've been here ever since. We're at the beginning of our seventh year here in Jerusalem. And this was a total surprise. Yes, that is a total surprise from where you, I mean, you were in Wyoming wanting to be a wife and a mom, and then God gave you this massive vision for, you know, disaster response, and you wrote a preparedness peace training manual. You were training Christians all over the country how to get involved or how to get prepared so they could be a witness in the in the time of crisis in their community. Then you get married and start having children again. God kind of restored that desire for you, or he fulfilled that desire for you. But totally. it's, you know, it's like 
you have this vision and you have this family, how do they mesh? I mean, being a wife and a mom and having a huge vision of doing something, you know, that God's put in your heart. I mean, how do you juggle that? This is a constant learning curve. But Justin and I, when we got married, something we had in common was always just saying yes. Like it was a commitment Mm. that we made to one another and to the Lord to just say yes. And so as you say yes, the Lord takes care of all the details. He's so gracious and so kind and his leadership is perfect. The children have actually been a huge open door and a gift and an opportunity to build relationship. And Israel is so family centered One of my biggest concerns moving here was their safety. I thought, oh my gosh, it's so dangerous. And it's so, what about my children? And it was really a cost I counted before the Lord. But I tell you what, people love children, Arabs, Jews. It doesn't matter. It's all about the children. And they will protect and keep and watch out for. I feel it's like the opposite, which is so God. My fear was their safety. And instead, I feel that they are so secure and so taken Mm. care of. And it's really, it's just like God. So I'm very thankful. (laughs) This phrase that the Lord said to me at one of my lowest places in my life, as I was driving home from Wyoming, he said, I want what I have for you more than you want it for yourself. And it's just so true. The longings of our hearts, what we desire most in him, he wants those things even more than we want it for ourselves. And that's so like, that'll preach because this is his heart for each one of us. And if we just surrender to his ways, if we just surrender to his voice, he will give us something so much greater than what we could ever grab for ourselves. Life is sweeter. Life is fuller. Life is richer when we say yes to God. There have been at times in my life I've resisted what God wanted me to do. And when I finally said, okay, I'll give it a try, his joy and peace and presence came rushing in in a way that was unexpected. You know, I thought I would just do it out of, you know, just to get it off my back or mm. just to say I tried it. And God met me there and said, yeah, this is what I have for you. And it's going to fill you with life, not dread, but life. Well, I got a a privilege of coming over in 2019 and visited with you and Justin and your children Mm -hmm. and saw a little bit of your life there. And it's very different than life in the U.S. I mean, the food, the language, the culture, the tradition. But you all have adapted to life there so well. How did you make that transition to another country with your children? And I'm sure that part of it has to do with the practices that you have cultivated in your life and in your family to help you stand strong in your faith. Tell us a little bit about what that process has been. You know, one of the rabbis that we've come to know through Devorah, who is Justin's boss, at the very beginning, he told us, he said, you know, He said, gratitude is what determines whether Jerusalem receives you or spits you out. I can attest to that. Like, it is a choice to cultivate gratitude, to find what you are thankful for, to focus on being grateful. Because especially when things are challenging, especially when you have to wait hours in line just to go to the bank or when things, you know, When we first moved here, it was such a huge adjustment. In America, I could make a list of 10 things long and check them off my list throughout the day. When we moved here, if you got two things done in a day, it was a huge success. And it was just, you know, there's so many challenges. It's such a huge learning curve. 
first of all, choosing to be thankful, cultivating mm -hmm. gratitude is the biggest gift that we could give ourselves. <laughs> but aside from that, like just spending time in the word and really talking to the Lord about everything, committing to worship, regardless of how you feel and surrounding ourselves with people who are strong and who love the Lord and who can speak truth and life when you really need to hear it. Like without all of those things, I think that I would struggle for sure. Yeah. In the midst of all that you're going through, God is constantly downpouring vision into you because you're open to it. Mm -hmm. You're available and, and you say yes to God. What vision has God put in your heart recently? And I hear little rumblings of things that you're doing. And just mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about what God has you involved in right now in Jerusalem. Dreaming with God is my favorite thing because mm -hmm. his dreams are always way too big for us to do by ourselves. And that's when we get to see him show up. Right now, I mean, people are very motivated here to get prepared. When we first moved to Jerusalem, I really thought being the center of the world, like it is that people would have food storage and water stored and be like a level of readiness because of where we are. Yeah. But honestly, as I talk to people, they're like, nothing happens here. I would be like, do you have like food prepared and water stored? And they're like, nothing happens here. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, the government will tell us when we need to do that or even supply what we need. And so I was really surprised. I really thought people would just have this level of readiness. So that was six years ago, but now the world is changing a lot rapidly. And now yeah. people are much more motivated and they have ears to hear. And something that's really on the radar for Israel is an earthquake because it's really? actually okay. overdue. And so actually they're talking about it a lot on the news right now. The Great Rift Valley, which runs from south of Egypt all the way north through Israel, the Jordan Valley. We recently did an earthquake training in Poria, which is where they've been experiencing earthquakes recently. I really feel like what we carry... And our passion for disaster preparedness and response has finally been opened up. It's my dream to just gather and encourage and equip specifically the body here or anyone yeah. who's willing to listen. <laughs> but I really yeah. feel we've been gathering people and encouraging them and giving trainings and just affording the opportunity to meet one another. So God has brought really the passion of your heart, the passions of your heart. He's put several several in your heart and he's kind of bringing them all together now crisis preparedness and serving in jerusalem totally as only god can do he's opening the doors at just the right time you know when he called us here he said i just want you to be faithful and excellent in all you do and i'll take mm. care of the rest and i just feel like after six years of cultivating relationships and building trust with neighbors and coworkers of all different backgrounds and beliefs. Both he and I have this opportunity to walk in a level of our callings that we haven't yet. And so I've had the opportunity to gather and train and encourage um, people with disaster preparedness and just connecting them. Both Justin and I have a real gift to connect resources and needs, to cultivate relationships and I, I'm just seeing it all come together in such an incredible way, just even since the beginning of the seventh year. And it's so encouraging and so life-giving. And you, know, you read the prophecies, you read the news, and I can't help but pray extra prayers for my children and wonder what the days ahead will be like. But I trust him. And I know that his leadership is perfect. 
and that he's made us for this. He has crafted each one of us to live on the earth at this time in history. And so my children, whatever is ahead for them, as long as they're leaning into him, they will come alive in what's before them. And the same promises for us as we lean into the Lord and trust him and walk with him. There are incredible days ahead for us. And so I just remind myself of this and keep saying yes and digging like spending time with him and rooting ourselves in him and trust that it's going to be really great. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what what would it be? If I could convince myself that life with God is the best adventure and the most exciting and the most life-giving thing ever, that's what Mm. I would want myself to know. Those things will keep us from stumbling those truths, the younger we get them, <laughs> the better off we are. Right. So as we wrap it up, Canada, I just, you've, you've shared so much. I need to think about it. And, I, and I'm sure everyone who's listening is just thankful for all the truth you've given us. But as we wrap it up, I like to ask my guests, if there's a woman in the Bible whose story has inspired or encouraged or taught you something, and how does her God story connect with your God story? It would have to be Esther. Because she really was positioned and appointed. And even the circumstances in her life equipped her, whether she knew it or not, or what was before her. And she had an amazing counselor in her life when the time was necessary. She stood up for what she knew was right. And she took the stand, no matter what it cost her. And God used her in a significant way. And I want to be that person who stands for what's right, who stands on truth and doesn't move, who doesn't bow to any other thing, and who gains the favor of the king for such a time as this. Earlier, you mentioned, uh, made reference to Jeremiah 29, 11, and that's been one of my life verses. Um, Hmm. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your well-being and not for trouble, to give you a future and a hope really goes along with what God told you. I want for you, I want my plan for you more than you want it for yourself. And that kind of what Jeremiah 29, 11 says to me, I have good plans for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I want these for you. <laughs> I really want these good plans. Would you please step in line with them? And mm-hmm. he has good plans for all of us. You know, I know the good plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your well-being, not for trouble, to give you a future and a hope. And then Psalm 37, 3 through 5, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him, and he will bring it to pass. I just see that he has done that for you and for Justin and your family. As you have committed your ways to the Lord, he has brought to pass things that you could not have even imagined. And, you know, he wants to do that for each one of us. He wants to do that for you who are listening. He has good plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you. He wants to bless you when we trust in the Lord. He's a good God. He's faithful. You've, you know, heard Canada's story of times when she's, she kind of rejected what God had for her for a season, but God didn't that didn't shake God's faithfulness. He was still faithful. He drew her into his plan out of his great love and out of his great goodness. 
Um, but as we sign off, Kenneth, I just thank you so much for your time. I mean, we're seven hours apart. Uh, you're at night, nighttime there. Your kids are probably headed for bed if they're not there already. So thank you for being with me today. Would you pray for our listeners and just speak blessing from Jerusalem to everyone who's listening? Absolutely. And I just want to say what a gift. Somebody cares and your ministry has impacted our hearts and our lives. Having had the opportunity to walk with you guys and Doug and Lisa and just learn how to love and how to serve has has impacted our life and our ministry since then. And so we're so grateful for our time and we're grateful for Somebody Cares and thankful for relationships that endure. So Lord, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. God, you are so good. And even when we don't know what's ahead, and especially in these times, Lord, of such uncertainty, we stand on your promise that you know the plans you have for us. And so today, Lord God, we just stand on that. We take our stand on your word and we agree with you. And we thank you, God, that you know the plans you have for us. So I pray, Lord, for every listener today that you would breathe hope, that you would stir in them the good plans and your presence, God, you are with us. You never leave us. And you are so faithful. So may you be the lifter of our head today that we could cast our eyes on you and rest in your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.